Welcome to the JVB Health and Wellness Podcast. On this podcast, we spend most of our time talking about blue zones and centenarians. That is people that live to be 100 years old. I thought what we would do on this call was to talk to people about it. And perhaps what I would do is summarize some of the key takeaways uh, from the book. The book is called The Blue Zones Solution by Dan Butner, And there are some main takeaways that um, he has come out with uh, and that I've kind of come out with in uh, reading the book. And certainly we can learn a lot from healthy people. So if we just go through, you'll hear it uh, in our discussion today on our weekly Zoom podcast, but I'll just read through a few of the, a few of the key takeaways. One, this is what uh, comes from um, Dan's, the author's work in going to various blue zones throughout the world and what differentiates perhaps, not really differentiates, but this is why perhaps people are living to 100 years old or longer. So that's why we can learn a lot from it. One, and these are all from, this is not me, these are all from the book and his summary of the book. One, ensure that your diet is 90 to 100% plant-based. Beans, greens, sweet potatoes, whole grains, fruits, nuts, and seeds dominate blue zone meals all year long. Extra virgin cold olive oil is also a staple. Two, retreat from meat. On average, blue zone residents eat about two ounces or less of meat about five times per month, usually as a celebratory food, a small side, or as a way to flavor dishes. Three, go easy on fish. In most blue zones, people ate small amounts of fish, fewer than three ounces, up to three times weekly. Four, eat a daily dose of beans. Beans reign supreme in blue zones and are the cornerstone of every longevity longevity diet in the world. Most people that get to 100 years old eat at least four times as many beans as Americans do on average, at least a half a cup per day. And so should you. Why? Beans are packed with more nutrients per gram than any other food on earth. And of course, some people, it takes time for them to adjust to beans. The book talks about it. You know, your body has to get used to it. And of course, you know, it can cause cramping and bloating and going to the bathroom. I found for me, once I uh, added them into my diet, uh, it took me about two weeks to get over the hump. Once you get over the hump, you don't have that anymore. The book talks a lot about it. Five, slash sugar. Blue zone communities eat sugar intentionally, not by habit or accident. They consume about the same amount of naturally occurring sugars as North Americans do, but only about a fifth as much added sugar, no more than seven teaspoons a day. Six, snack on nuts. Eat two handfuls of nuts per day, preferably raw without oil. A handful weighs about two ounces, the average amount that blue zone 100-year-old people consume. Sour on bread. If you can, strive to eat only sourdough or 100% whole wheat bread. Most commercially available breads start with bleached white flour, which metabolizes quickly into sugar and spikes your insulin levels. Eight, drink mostly water. With very few exceptions, people in blue zones drink only coffee, tea, water, and wine. If possible, strive to avoid soft drinks, including diet soda. Nine, go whole. We found that most 100-year-old people traditionally eat whole foods. These are foods made from a single ingredient, raw, cooked, ground, or fermented, and are not highly processed. They eat lots of raw fruits and vegetables. The other thing I took away from this book is really trying to 
put yourself in an environment that gives you the best chance to be healthy. That means prioritizing your health. That means to, you know, make sure you're in an environment where you are having ample enough time to sleep seven to eight hours a night, to make your food, to actually go to the grocery store and buy your food, to not be too busy so that you're not overstressed or have too much anxiety. And the environment you put yourself in is key. The other thing the book talks a lot about is putting yourself in social circles where you can be around other people. Now, it's tough during COVID, but there's, that's, that's no reason to say that you can't do that uh, via Zoom or via calls. Very important. And so as we move into this new year, I would love to see people put themselves in an environment and create their environment such that, that they can prioritize their health a little higher up on uh, the chain of things that they do so they can do something. If you're doing nothing, do one or two things. If you're doing a few things, try and do a few more things. If you can't, then maintain what you're doing. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thank you. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good to see you. Good. So good to see you. It was fun to have your email pop up into my inbox. How are you? I am doing well. Been um, today has been an interesting day. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, this is just. I have friends from like in Germany and Greece emailing me like, "What is wrong with your country?" <laughs> you know, crazy. Yeah. It really, really is. Um, no, but otherwise, I, I've been doing well. 2020 ended up being the best year for my business, surprisingly. Great. And how about your health? Not so great. Okay. <laughs> so that's why I was excited to get your email. Great. Hey, Sam. How you doing? Hi, Tim. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good to have you join. Um, so what do you want to do about it? Your health. Oh, I, I definitely want to get more energy, be, uh, lose all the extraneous weight that's come on with COVID and working around the clock at home. Totally. Uh, those are the two big goals. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, uh, in terms of wanting to achieve those goals, typically I think what happens is, and you probably are like all of us, we get in these kind of, uh, modes where maybe we're focused on all work and then the health and wellness falls to the wayside. Every one of us has that issue, or maybe like we're focused on some fun during the holidays in terms of eating and not exercising, you know, uh, present company also guilty of all of these things. And so, you know, I think that at some point you just have to say, uh, probably for you, I would say knowing you that maybe what it is is you just got to figure out how to allocate time for your health, right? Yeah. And not not just be like you have your own business and everything. I'm glad to hear that it's doing so spectacular. But you're going to have to say to yourself, I do need to allocate time for my health. I do not to need to be so busy where I'm not well-rounded and how busy I am. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, I just make sure I incorporate certain things for my health every day and I might not hit all of them, but I'll hit at least one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe the one thing I will say is I need to sleep seven hours every night, or maybe the one thing I usually plan out the night before I'll say, uh, I'm going to exercise tomorrow and I'm going to put it on my calendar. And for, and I think for me, what happens is if I don't get it done earlier in the day, it usually gets taken away from me, from the family or from my job or whatever. Or I'm, or I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to do some shopping for some food and I'm going to time management wise, I'm going to allocate some time for myself to make some of my own food. Yeah. It's really interesting because I am listening to a book right now about blue zones. You know what blue zones are? 
the really healthy areas of the um, world, right? Yeah. So blue zones. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Charlie. Blue hey. zones are areas in the world where people live longer. I'm listening to a book about it. I'll send it around in the next email. And it says, why do people live to be 100? It's very interesting because my takeaway is that they looked at five different blue zones throughout the world. They looked at these seven-day event, seven Adventists in California. They looked at people in Greece. They looked at people in other areas in Costa Rica and in other areas of the world. And each one of those groups that live to be 100, they get there in slightly different ways, but they all have some things that are consistent between them all. And one of the things that is consistent between them all, and it's so hard for people like us, that is they are not too busy such that, that they are super one-dimensional in their health. You know what I mean? Where we all get in this mode of we work all the time or we just have five other, we prioritize things such that five other things are more important than our health and our health is always important to us. And while we might always be thinking about it, we might not be executing, right? And so they manage the time to make their food. They definitely do that. They manage the time to have good food present for them right? They manage their time to move around and stuff. And, and when I'm listening to this book, um, sometimes I think in my head, well, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to spend two hours making sourdough bread or, you know, making beans or, or whatever I'm going to make. But, but um, so people have to take away from some, a book like that. I just got to do the best I can. And it's pretty interesting because they have done some studies where they've gone into communities and they have said to the communities, we have a lot of stats from blue zones of people living to be a hundred. And we would like to implement some, some of the blue zone commonalities between all the places in the world. Would you government of this local smaller city be willing to work with us to do it? And the response is overwhelming, right? And so they are able to go in and a lot of it is, is changing lifestyle and changing behaviors such that we can uh, do some of the healthier things that they talk about. And I'll pause there and see if you have any comments. That makes sense. I like the idea of allocating time. Yeah. And oftentimes it's like, I, I will take like step one where I bought all the ingredients um, to get started on a macrobiotic diet but I haven't allocated the time to actually like figure out how to use my Instapot and make the brown rice and all that stuff. Totally, totally. Or, or, or you know, to, to prepare your food or even to have your food there. And, you know, my biggest takeaway, like I have all these pillars, you know, that I've been doing for a long time and sleep and exercise and movement, time management, stress management, but time management is probably one of the, the most important, if not the most important. Although if we had somebody on that was an expert in sleep, they'd say sleep is most important, right? If you had an expert on about nutrition, they'd say nutrition is the most important, right? And these, and, and a lot of what the, uh, the blue zone focuses on is nutrition, but if you don't manage your time to be able to have that nutrition, then usually we fail. Right. They went into it's interesting. They went into some uh, cities and they held some um, kind of meetings to launch what they were doing. And they had 14 different things that they said, pick four of these 14 things that you're going to commit to and that you are going to do or try and do as much as you can, you know, over the next X number of months as we run this program. And so, you know, I would encourage each of you to pick some of those things, whether it's, you know, I'm going to sleep seven hours a night, or I'm going to sleep seven and a half hours a night, or I'm going to sleep eight hours a night, or I'm going to do my exercise, or I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to go shopping, or I'm actually just going to spend some time to like Charlie, write down some food or start to think about some of the food things that I do. Uh, but I don't even care if it's four, it could be one, right? But it will require 
uh, lifestyle change for you, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are uh, you, are you exercising or, um, not exercising these days? No, I mean, I think with COVID, I was definitely like not getting out there in the, you know, first few months. Then when I went to my parents' house in the burbs of Philly, I was exercising then. And now it's so cold that I probably only get out like once a week and and go for a walk. Right, right. And again, that's time management to try and schedule something and just plan you know, it's part of time management is planning. Okay. I like every night, like I said, before I go to bed, I plan, okay, what, what am I going to do for my exercise tomorrow? And if it's nothing, because I don't have time, then it's nothing. But most days I will try and do something. Now, when it gets colder, it is tougher. You're in New York city. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when it's, it, we, we, we've been out in California since uh, March, we came out to Southern California. So we've been in Dana point, California since then, which is pretty awesome. Uh, but you know, when uh, the weather is bad, like it does make it harder or when it's colder, it does make it harder. Like some, I'm seeing some people across the country, they will purchase some sort of device, you know, for themselves. Like one guy I know he bought a bike trainer. Uh, he has a hybrid bike and he was riding in central park and it got really cold. And so he bought a bike trainer, bike trainer. You just put your rear wheel on a trainer and then you can actually sit down like you're in a gym and you're using your own bike, which is pretty cool. So many people are buying Pelotons right now. Many people are buying elliptical machines right now. Some people are going to the gym again and they, they, they want to go to the gym and some people are scared to death of the gym. So they don't want to go to the gym. Right. But it is about putting ourselves in a position to win so that we can, you know, exercise, whether it's going outside and doing a brisk walk or whether it's going to the park and running, or if you don't want to do any of that, then it's figuring out how to, how to, you know, get the exercise in and elevate your heart rate. Yeah. But you're not alone. So many people during COVID just got busier and many people, like I had the best year ever for my career, right? Like, it, you know, for me, it was, I was able to be very efficient. And, and so, um, and many people are like that, but like many people have had the health kind of fall by the wayside. And I would just say, think about how you can make a change. And if you can, you know, some people are the all or none type where they're going to make a big change right away. And that's all there is. And, and other people will make one small change. Right. And then maybe you build on that one small change. Yeah. Well, Who else wants you. to talk about this? Make a comment. I'll jump in. Mr. Short, how you doing? Very well. How are you, Mr. Balkan? Good, good. I am off the starting line, and uh, I've been uh, I've been doing some uh, some research and uh, uh, several different articles. And what I've gleaned from what I've read is that what's going to work for me are tiny uh, tiny goals. Great. What so, kind? What I've been, so what I've been doing during the day is I'll stop and I'll think maybe two or three times a day. What can I do right now at this very moment? What is in my capacity right now to improve on, uh, to make an improvement in my lifestyle? Great. And, and is that something you, you make a change at that instantaneous time? Or it's like, I'm going to make this change and I'm going to do it in a day, in a week, in an hour? I set, I set myself to up to succeed right there so that it becomes habit as I keep doing it. Great. I love that, Charlie. Give an example, please. Uh, well, for example, um, uh, portions is something that I've been trying to teach my son. And, and so I think I should be modeling it a little bit better. So, um, so if I'm making burgers on the grill, maybe I won't make an eight ounce burger. Maybe I'll make a four ounce burger. If I'm hungry and I need a snack, maybe I'll go to the, uh, go to the refrigerator 
And instead of uh, instead of grabbing the, the brie, I'll grab uh, uh, some carrots or some grapes. You know, what can I do right now? I love that. That's a great way to think about it. Live in the moment. Right. You know, I think I, it's going to work for me. I love it. You know, and, you know, when you think about having that four ounce burger versus the eight ounce burger, it's very interesting in this Blue Zones book. They talk about people that um, live to be 100 or in these ranges and a lot of them eat much, much less meat. You know what I mean? And um, maybe they eat two ounces five days a week, five days a month, not even five days a week. And yeah. so a lot of dietitians and nutritionists will say, if you are going to eat a meat product, a fish product, you know, any animal product, that you should have it be much smaller, say two to four ounces, like the size of a fist, and then surround it with lots of other vegetables, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, right? Mm -hmm. Now that's going to require you to have those around. I love that you might have the carrots or the cucumbers or the tomatoes around, but if you can actually do that, where you're actually having some other healthy options on that on the plate, that's that's a very good thing. Yeah, I'm trying to read up a little bit on uh, non-meat options that are filling. Yeah, non-meat you know, options that are filling. The the book I'm reading would tell you that tofu actually might be a good thing too. Right very firm tofu you could throw in some veggies in there and some mushrooms and you know some people might throw in some wild rice or brown rice you know just other things that are that have nutrient density to them i agree and, it's a nice meat substitute like a stir fry you could do a stir fry with uh tofu absolutely any other examples have uh of uh hey i just made this determination right now and i made it work um well, exercise is the other component of this, and so what I've decided for myself is I found an article that advocates at least 11 minutes a day, 35 ideally, but I'm going to start off with elevating my heart rate for 11 minutes. Love it. And have you thought of, have you done it yet? I haven't done it. I've read about it. Good. <laughs> you can laugh, but I'm telling you, man, a lot of people, they, they plan it out, and then they convince themselves about the science or the reasons for doing these things, you know, like and 11 minutes, if that's what's going to work for you and you believe that article, do it 11 minutes. It's better than no minutes. Yes. You know I mean? Hey, Jim. Something Jim, is better than David. nothing. Hey, what, David. What, hey, what, what counts as elevated heart rate over baseline? Okay. So great question. So the way that I think about it is I, I differentiate between exercise and movement. Movement is when we're walking around and it's very important and our heart rate is not that elevated. So if you're walking around and you're, you know, walking around the block and, you know, your heart rate is 90, that is not elevated. I think that, you know, in order and I would call that a below the below an aerobic range. Um, if you are um, out there walking and you're walking briskly, you're using your arms or maybe you're walking some hills and you're starting to breathe a little bit heavier and you're um, starting to sweat a little bit more. Usually for most people, an aerobic zone is somewhere over a heart rate of 102. Now, a lot of people are not going to be wearing a device and they'll be like, I don't know, Jim, I don't know if it's 102, but you'll know if you're breathing a little heavier. But if it is ridiculously easy, right, I would say your heart rate is not elevated. So you, we do want to elevate our heart rate above that 102 range for periods of time. Now, we also want to get strength in. Right. So strength will not elevate your heart rate all the time. You might, you know, do some curls. You might do something, you know, with uh, a resistance band or maybe do, you know, some things that doesn't elevate your heart rate, but provide you strength. That is great for the bones. And that also counts as exercise. So I think for you, David, knowing you, you know, I think you should shoot for anything above 105. 
you know, and like, like my number is 102, but like once I start to get up to about 110 or anything higher, I know it's exercise. I know I'm sweating. You know, I did a run today and my average yesterday, my average heart rate on my run was 120 with a lot of how, hills. How, how good should I feel about the Apple watch average heart rate? You, you know, I'm a little high strung, so I don't walk casually. Um, so my, I think my walks will qualify north of 105. Um, okay. But but how much do I trust the Apple Watch on the heart rate, just as a check? So I would say 95% of the time, you should trust the Apple Watch. I am wearing, if you look at the screen, two watches right now. I'm wearing a Garmin. I'm wearing an Apple Watch. A lot of that is because my app picks up both of these. And I've been correlating that data for years, since the first Apple Watch. And you know, most of the time, the Apple Watch is just as accurate as a Garmin or a Fitbit. And, but there will be times when you look down at your watch and it will not show a reading on your Apple Watch because maybe your watch is too tight or maybe you have some oil or some lotion underneath your watch. Remember the way it works is that there's a green light under your watch these days. And that green light, the way that, that records heart rate is it shoots a green light down into your skin and it can see the blood flowing. And the blood flowing is going like this, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And basically what the Apple Watch does or the Garmin, any other wrist-based heart rate is it counts the number of whoosh that's how it comes up with your heart rate. So some people like if they have, um, if it's, if it's not too tight, if it's not, not, not tight enough, um, if they have lotion there, if they have too much hair there, all kinds of things can cause it not to be accurate. But for the most part, you know, if you clean, I usually just clean the back of my watch before, you know, I put it on each day and like, I just rub it with my shirt or something just to make sure it's not cloudy back there. And it's very accurate. Now, when you go out and do your walk, um, I know you walk very fast. I suspect that, you know, what, what the way I would look at is if you went out and walked for 20 minutes and five minutes of your uh, walk was over 110, let's say, 105, 105, 110, and 15 minutes of it was below, then I would consider 15 minutes of that movement and five minutes of it exercise. My, if you were to hook up to my app, it would actually tell you after each file you create how much of your time was in certain zones. And I characterize them in an aerobic zone, which for you is probably going to be like 105 to 135, an anaerobic zone, which is above 135. And then I have another category called below aerobic, which I would consider to be movement. And a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll start a file and they'll say to me, hey, Jim, I went out for a walk and I walked for an hour. Oh yeah, what's your average heart rate? 95. And then when we, and, but the average heart rate doesn't tell the whole story. What tells the more of the story is, Jim, I walked a bunch of hills and my average heart rate was 80, 95 because I had some that was 80, it was super easy. And I had some that was 120 or 105, 110, right? And so- that's the kind of way I think about heart rate. And we do want to elevate our heart rate. There are huge benefits to elevating our heart rate for our cells in our body and for our heart and strengthening the heart muscle, et cetera. Does that answer your question, David? It does, thank you. Any other questions on that? Charlie, back to you. So, uh, you know, um, I think the 11 minutes of exercise is spectacular. What are you thinking about doing for your first, uh, first one? Well, um, I'm not like a, like an upper one day, lower the next day kind of guy. So, uh, so I want to make, I, I want to do everything in that 11 minutes. So maybe some push-ups, perhaps some jumping jacks, perhaps some running in place, perhaps some getting on the treadmill for a little bit. I don't know. I haven't quite figured that part of it out. What's going to work for me. Okay. Yeah, you could do all the above or one day you could walk briskly on a treadmill, you know, and you could put your hands on those metal sensors and see what your heart rate is because I don't think you have a heart rate monitor yet, right? That's correct. 
Those metal sensors, by the way, on devices that we see at the gym are super accurate also. You could also put your hand up to your neck and, and record how many beats you have for 10 seconds and multiply it times six for how your pulse is over 60 seconds. But for you, Charlie, I don't even really care that much about your heart rate because, you know, as you said, you're starting from a very low base. And so anything, whether or not we record it or not, is better than nothing. So I am a stats geek and I believe in the heart rate. But, hey, if you're doing 11 minutes of push-ups, sit-ups, body resistance stuff, you jump on the treadmill and do four minutes, you ride your bike there for a few minutes, all of that counts. Yeah, anything is better than nothing. And eventually more will be uh, will be better. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, but the goal is to try and like one of the questions I asked on my app was, was your workout enjoyable? And and why do I ask that? Because in the years and years and years that I've been coaching people, a lot of people will call me up and say, hey, can you help me lose you know, weight or can you help me do something? And I'll say, well, we got to start an exercise regime. And usually what I'll hear from people is I hate exercise. I have to exercise. You know, so uh, then it's a, then it's about finding something that somebody enjoys, because if you don't enjoy it, it's not going to be sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, you're going to be right back to where you started from. Right. So we want to find things that we love to do. Listening to tunes is going to help. Listening to tunes is critical. Over the last uh, week or so. Uh, my family and I have all been walking to these stairs right near the ocean. There's 118 steps on these stairs, and we've been doing it as a family. I've been trying to get my family to go out on a run with me for years and years and years to no avail. But late, lately, we're like, okay, we're going to walk to the stairs. We're all going to get some exercise in, and then, and then we uh, can feel better, right? And my kids, 14 and 12 now, both said, can I listen to music? Absolutely, you can listen to music. Are you kidding? For sure. So they both bring their headphones. They prepare and they listen to music while they walk up and down those stairs, which is awesome. Music is an, uh, is an, is an enhancer. I have a great running playlist if you want it too. So does any, has anybody else done Noom on the call? So Noom, you probably see the commercials now. Sorry, was that Sam? Did you, have you done Noom before? Yes, I have. Do you still do it? No. What? I did like it, Jeff. Sam, did you like it? Yes, I did like it, Jeff. I just um, fell off of tracking my, um, but I also learned, picked up some really good habits from it that I use. Like um, what? Uh, so there was a big joke on Noom that whenever you wanted a snack, you would just eat grapes. Uh-huh. You know, like, and you, you know, and, and I was always just, why the grapes, you know, and I realized grapes are actually a lot better than like a cookie or like a banana. For sure. You know? For sure. And, um, red and so ones are green, red, red, red grapes or green grapes, or you, you change I, it up? I, I, I do change it up, but I have a preference for green because they're yeah. tart. Nope. So do both. I do red, I do green. You know, I, I sit here and if you, I eat a lot of dates, I eat raisins. You know, people will say, well, I shouldn't eat, you know, that's got a lot of sugar. But if it's natural sugar, it's far, far less than going out and having, you know, a soda, which has 10 tablespoons of sugar in it or so- something crazy. Right. And, and so Noom is this uh, if you see the commercials, they're all over the place right now. They claim to have like 45 million use, but they are they are a way to try and change your behaviors so that you know what you're eating when you're tracking your food. And they try and have an education where they tell you, educate you about maybe you should have some grapes versus having a candy bar. Um, and uh, did, did they also sometimes offer a coach to help out and um, they offer a two week free trial and then uh, they, they charge after that. Did you use the coach at all, Sam? 
I did. Um, the coach wasn't very responsive. Not responsive. Yeah, I, so I did Zoom for two months just to um, give it a good, you know, shot. Um, uh -huh. And the coach just wasn't responsive. It took about um, three to five business days for them to respond. Um, and the, the, I also had a group set up, a uh, group feature, you know, um, and people weren't engage, engaging. So I just thought, okay, well, you know. I can learn better. I've picked up a lot of um, pointers about um, diet. Um, yeah, and so I went from there. Yeah, great. And a lot of those yes. times you can do that for a couple months and you can take away those pointers and you can do it without them, right? That's always my goal as a coach too. Somebody works with me, but they try and take away some of these principles, but it's hard. It's hard to do accountability. It's hard to track food. It really comes down to prioritizing our health and being realistic about what we can and can't do. Um, it doesn't surprise me. It took uh, Jeff, I want to hear your comments on the coach too, but it doesn't surprise me. It took three to five days for them to respond. It's a little surprising. I think that they have something like a hundred or 300 people and, um, that they coach all at once. Did they respond to you via email or, um, and what kind of stuff did you ask the coach, Sam? Um, I, Asked specific questions about um, about why my caloric intake was um, going up and down each um, day, um, mm -hmm. and uh, depending on how much or how little I walked, and how it didn't really sync accurately with my Fitbit at the time. Um, so I was trying to uh, uh, figure just specific questions that were um, based on the data that it, that it was outputting, you know, uh, the daily data. Um, did they give days. you specific answers for you or did they send you canned answers? I, they sent me canned answers. So that's why I got um, fed up and I was like, oh, okay, this is not, <laughs> this isn't for me. Um, maybe it's changed because I did join Noom um, right in April, right when, the, you know, uh, after sort of the immediate effects of um, the pandemic, you know, right, right. I wanted, because I was just, you know, next to the refrigerator and, <laughs> um, and eating a lot of cookies, so. Yeah, and I applaud you for doing anything that might help your health. And, you know, it's, it's always a good thing to do that. It doesn't surprise me. Some of the answers were canned. Jeff, have you, entered, have you done any interaction with the coach so, yet? No. So, you know, you, I did the two weeks for free or whatever the voluntary cost was. And then I got the discount for the year if I want to continue, which was actually pretty significant. So it wasn't so much money. And then they had an option where you could add the nutritionist and the, you know, coach. And I know, Jim, you're my coach, but so I, I put the option in and it's been four or five days. I've heard from nobody. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I did the two week trial, too, and I didn't even hear from the coach thing until like the 13th day. And then I didn't proceed with the two weeks after that. And the second I said no, I got like 90 percent off for the next year offers. You know, right. <laughs> right. I think I got 80 percent off right now. So um and anyway, you know, look, I, I, I think I wanted to do something to be more responsible. I'm pretty responsible. I'm pretty disciplined. It's just that extra push. Um, so we'll see. But I think, like, you know, we all know that grapes and watermelon, you know, have water in it, right? And so you're filling up on water. But it was nice to be reminded and told. So, look, I went and bought the grapes. I bought them two days in a row. And I bought more apples. And I bought more bananas. And, you know, so if that can help me continue to do that, then I think it's a plus. You know, I always, instead of eating 
lots of meats for lunch or whatever the the huge salad it's big right so it's smart like you're it's the same amount of weight of food but one's lettuce and the other would so i just and these are things we talk about but it's putting it into practice so we'll see say, I think 100%, 100%. I think that all those things are great to eat and food diversity is great where if you have a salad, the good thing is you have lots of different uh, fruits and vegetables in there probably and you get good what I call food diversity. So you get a lot of different phytonutrients into your body. The, the one thing the Blue Zone talks about a lot is um, greens and beans and sweet potatoes. Those are the biggest takeaway. Try and eat a lot of greens, try and eat a lot of beans. In fact, if there's one takeaway I got from it, beans were number one. Try and have a half a black or, black or didn't brown, matter what kind black, of? it was black pinto fava lima any type of beans like i, I garbanzo i tend to what i usually do these days is i'll take two or three different types of beans now i get them from a can i just make sure there's no other produce nothing else in them but the water and maybe a little salt which is the same thing the book says i don't have time to make i don't allocate enough time i guess i could allocate enough time to make the beans myself my brother used to do that I don't do that. So I make sure I get a BPA free can and I take two or three cans of beans. I'll put them in one Tupperware. And I know in my fridge, when I have my dinner tonight, I can just go take some scoopfuls out of there. And I just try and have different types of beans. That was the number one thing that uh, they said in the consistency, consistent of the five different blue zones they looked at in the world. That was number one, most important thing is eat a lot of beans. You know, they're low in calories. They have a ton of phytonutrients. They have some protein in them. They don't have any added sugar. Uh, so that was number one and greens were number two. What I've been doing lately is I'll go to Trader Joe's. They have a bag of power greens or different type of greens. They're pre-washed. I just take a handful of them and I throw them in my bowl every day, you know, and you get six different types of greens there. Very good, very healthy. Obviously the, they actually focus very much on sweet potatoes and potatoes and avocados, all those different things. I throw those all in. They, the yams, yams or sweet potatoes were the other thing that was very consistent in the world that people were eating tons of those. Jim, any problem with hummus as a way to get that bean? Because if, if, if you're not, if you get a little tired of that raw bean and salad kind of dynamic, can, can you, I, I know hummus requires a vessel and, and maybe it'll be, you know, bread for me um, or, or maybe it'll be vegetables depending, but is hummus cool? It doesn't, it just quick research doesn't look like it's a problem, but thought I'd check. Yeah, no, my experience in hummus is that uh, it's got a lot of good ingredients in it. Some of the hummuses have added sugar or they have bad oils. And so you do want to get kind of higher quality hummus, but I think everything I read seems to say it's fine. You know, it's all about what kind of oil they put in or do they put preservatives in. The one thing that the Blue Zone people say in the world is they eat mostly whole foods. Right. And they make them and they kind of eat them on the spot. And a lot of people might make their own hummus. But, you know, if you're buying a hummus that's not whole food and it does have some preservatives in there, the, the book talks about very few people in, in blue zones eat a lot of preservatives. So you just got to pick the healthiest one that you can pick. You know what I mean? I'm a big fan of hummus. I like to make my own hummus if I can, but sometimes I'll get the Trader Joe's hummus types. And I'll just, the biggest thing for me is I make sure there's no added sugar. I really like kava. So I don't know if anybody goes to Kava. Um, kava is great because you can get a green and grains bowl that has lots of different types of greens. It has, they have different types of healthy rices and they throw lentils in and oh, they awesome. have a lot Thank of good stuff in there. That. I think those are all 
great. But is uh, yes, David, I know that's boring, right? The beans, but me, my bowl has not only beans, it will have sweet potatoes and potatoes in there. It will have avocado in there and it'll have a lot of different veggies. I've been getting this stir fry bag, stir fry bag of frozen vegetables. And Jeff, this book also talks about uh, fruit. You know, I was, I've, been, I've encouraged you to get the frozen fruit. This book says that actually the frozen fruit, which is picked at the height of freshness, actually might have more nutrients in it than the fruit that, you know, takes two weeks to be shipped from somewhere and sits around for a while, which I thought was interesting. Either way, it's at least at least equal. Right. Do you, get both, do you get both that fruit bag and those um, those veggies from Trader Joe's or where do you get yours? So I get a lot of fruit bags from Trader Joe's. So I like, uh, that's a bummer right now. The cherries are out. They went on a six month hiatus because the producer, the, the, the supplier didn't have cherries. So they're out of them again, but I get tons of different, I like mangoes are a staple in my oatmeal every morning. I love frozen mangoes. You know, just, I either put them in a Tupperware and I eat them over the next few days or I'll warm up one day's worth that they have all kinds of strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, etc. Uh, and they do have good good bags of frozen veggies. They have a bag that I like of corn peas, beans, carrots. Um, they I like asparagus. But there's a, a Costco bag that I'm really into right now, which is this humongous bag of frozen stir fry type stuff. It has snow peas in there, and peppers, and mushrooms, and onions, and carrots and broccoli and just lots of good stuff so what i usually do is i'll make the potatoes sweet potatoes i'll either boil them or i'll make them in the microwave I usually have three or four days worth you know when i have it tonight i'll i'll take it out of the bowl and i out of the tupperware i'll put it in a bowl I'll cut an avocado in there i usually throw in some tomatoes i usually just get those small grape tomatoes just wash them throw them in the bowl i don't keep those in tupperwares i usually just have them fresh i'll cut a little bit of a red onion or any other type of onion in the bowl and then i'll warm up those frozen uh you know veggies and literally in 10 minutes i have everything ready to go right and i'm getting a lot of good food diversity a lot of fiber a lot of diversity and different types of phytonutrients are you I'm, a, I'm asking a series of embarrassing questions. Are you warming those in a microwave or are you warming those in a, okay. I, I have gone back and forth where I will warm them up uh, in, um, in a, skillet? a pot. Uh, I don't do the skillet as much. Uh, usually I might put them in a pot or I might put them in a pot with a steamer in them if I steam them. If I got fresh and non-frozen stuff, I like to steam. But otherwise I just warm them up for three or four minutes in the microwave. You know what I mean? I just get the, all the water out. It's all good, you know? It's interesting. Does when the you skillet eat. does skillet break it down the wrong way versus no, steaming? no okay. skillet can actually make more nutrients come out depending on what you have in that skillet. I just find for me and my stomach, if I make it in the skillet, usually I put a little olive oil in there. And by the way, one of the things that they say is really good is extra virgin olive oil, preferably cold, not heated. But when we throw it on the skillet and we heat it up, I find for my stomach, I have a little bit of a harder time digesting some of that. Whereas if I just pour a little olive oil on stuff, then I don't. I tend not to even use that much olive oil. I'm debating if I should use more olive oil based on all the evidence in this book that says it's so spectacular in all the world where, you know, you hear about these blue zones or Mediterranean diet where they're doing a lot of healthy olive oil, but you could scale it. You could, you could do all that, you know, you know, just don't want to, I, I just think if you do that, you got to be careful with the oils and make sure it has a high smoke point so that the, it's not becoming carcinogenic, you know? Sometimes I just throw it in a, in a, water, in a, in a, in a pot and I just boil it. You know what I mean? Just like I would do in the microwave. I just, I'm on a microwave kick. I don't know if the microwave damages it. I don't, I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. So, um, 
So those are some tips. I, what I would love to see is I have five minutes where I have to go to another call, but I, I would love to see all of us now, we're in January, think about and make a commitment to do one healthy thing for the next week or 10, however many you want. And you could either come back and report it or you could email me and tell me you're doing it. Uh, you know, it's totally up to you. What do you think? Are we ready to make a commitment yet or not yet? I'm definitely willing to make a commitment towards sleep. Um, I got myself blackout curtains and I have uh, my super coming in to install them hopefully nice. sometime before Monday. So that feels like a nice, easy one to start off with. And I also want to commit to drinking more water because I know that impacts productivity. One percent yeah. Being just 1% dehydrated decreases productivity by 12%. That's yeah, fascinating. And the book, the Blue Zones book talks about trying to have six glasses of water a day. And yeah. it says the only thing that people drink almost without exception in the Blue Zones is coffee, tea, wine, and water. Ooh, which I'm is glad a, wine is on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says that, you know, if you're having in more- five, In five minutes, you're not going to win the coffee and wine contest here. No, no doubt. No doubt. But the book does talk about how um, if you're going two or three drinks a day, that might be too much. But like most people in those zones do have a drink every day. You know what I mean? Now, women- you know, because of the water weight that women have, you know, the, the, the world believes women should drink less than men. But, you know, it says when do you start to go over a certain level, you know, it starts to damage us a little bit. I, I, and for women, make them more prone to breast cancer. But uh, like these people are living to 100. And they're having at least one drink every day. So that tells you something, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it makes me think about a lot of the ways I live my life. <laughs> All right. Um, I got to run here in a second. Sam, happy to see you. Happy to for you to come on anytime. If you um, want to make commitments, great. If, you know, I know it's a little weird with a bunch of people you don't know, um, but um, anytime, uh, anytime you want to talk, always happy to see you. Thank you, Jim. We got, we got to get Ronnie on here, though. Ronnie's come on a couple of times, but it's time for Ronnie to get going. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell her, Jim said, Ronnie, it's time for you to get going again. Well, I heard your story about her friend in your podcast. So yeah, that's that. That yeah. was her friend, and yeah. that is just such a sad story. You know, I had the gallbladder removal surgery. I'm sure you heard that one too. That was scary for me with a tumor, but luckily I had my gallbladder removed. It was not. It was benign. It was benign. It was. They said it was precancerous. So I'm still recovering after having that. That was a scary, scary thing for me. But I am. I'm starting to do better. Like last week, I was having a tough week, but this week I'm feeling much better. So. It's all good. And Truti, I know I got to go here in one minute, but Truti, I'm very happy to hear that you're doing uh, more and you've been exercising more. You feeling good? Oh, yes, it's wonderful. I finally uh, achieved my target of at least two good runs a week. Um, I do agree that I also don't drink too much water. So maybe for the next week, I will put that in. And... I've consciously started making food, which is, which includes as many vegetables and beans and lentils as possible. That's, that's the second. Uh, Great. And I see you've been doing the reporting on my app, which I'm excited about. I, for those of you that don't know, I have an app and you know, there is a, there's a thing called user inputs where people can report what they ate the day before and how their workout was. And for some people, not all of us, but for some of us, for somebody like my personality, it just makes me more accountable. And I know when I have to report it, it changes my behavior to try and be better, 
or if I'm not doing so well, then, you know, I might not do, I'll report the bad stuff for a few days and it's going to make me get back to it quicker when I fall off. If you see my inputs, don't judge me on it. <laughs> I, won't, I, I won't even look at them if you don't want me to look at them. I just get this alert that says that people reported them. So don't worry if you tell me don't look at I'm not looking at when people do the reporting all the time. I don't have enough time for that, but I do get an alert says you did report. And I did look to see just to make sure your sleep was feeding. In, so you still got to fix your sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have to do that. No, I uh, know. Uh, it's just that there's still a ton of leftovers from New Year's. So <laughs> the, the cake intake is still there. But <laughs> but other than that, I think I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah. And what I say to people is like, if you eat well, some of the day, that still gives you the gives you a little bit of permission, maybe to not eat so perfect the rest of the day, right? Perfect is the enemy of good, right? So um, thank you, everybody. I got to run to another call now. But good seeing you all and hope to see you again. All right. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank Take you. Care. Thank Bye. you. Bye.